how is it going everybody welcome back to the guys podcast this is episode three of our 2021 season and this is caleb we got chris here we got brad here and today we're just going to talk about a few things a few recent events um so let's get into it sit back turn it up and let it ride tune in any day or any night you need to hit the like and please subscribe right now because you hang it with All right, so let's get into it. We got a lot to talk about, so we're going to go pretty quickly, get into our first topic. But as a reminder, if you have any questions for us, uh, you can always email us at theguyspodcast at AOL.com. So um, let's just get straight into this technology thing. So let's talk about Meta, uh, Facebook's new name for its parent company. Um, They did a press conference earlier this week announcing that they're going to be changing their name to Meta. Um, So the app is actually going to remain Facebook, but their actual parent company is named Meta. It's because they have this vision for what's called the Metaverse. And basically the Metaverse, if you aren't up to date on it, is pretty similar to what the movie Ready Player One a couple years ago did. So you have a virtual headset or virtual glasses, augmented reality glasses that you put on and you enter into what's called the metaverse. And you can you have an avatar that interacts with other avatars. You can buy things within the metaverse, um, build things within the metaverse. It's basically a virtual world. So, uh, Brad, let's get your first thoughts on it. What do you think about the metaverse? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a cool idea. I mean, with technology the way it is and the way it progresses now um, and advancements that are made, this kind of thing, I believe, is inevitable. My only concern is that it is, in fact, ran or would be largely ran by Facebook. And it's just it's like, um, yeah, I would love to have this sort of thing, but there's so much controversy currently behind Facebook and about its data collection. And I feel like this is just on a whole other level um, when it comes to that. So, I mean, I definitely think it's going to be nice. There's a lot of kinks that'll need to be. So it's, it'll be interesting seeing how that goes over the next few years. Um, But yeah, I don't know. We'll see how, how it's accepted with Mark Zuckerberg being behind it. Yeah. And, yeah, so I, I just to, you know, put it first, I think, you know, Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, all of their collection of apps are claiming to be remaining the same. Um, but with the metaverse or meta, I think that the one thing we have to also have in mind is how good, great Facebook, Instagram are at their algorithms and their like Brad, you mentioned the data collection is one piece, but they're so great at what they do. They will find ways to hook the people that are going to try this. And so I think their main hurdle is getting people to realize that this is something that's okay or something that's like, like Caleb said, inevitable or Brad, I think you said inevitable. Um, I think it's kind of weird and I'm a gamer and like, that's something that intrigues me. And you would think that like, I would be all in on this type of thing, but it just seems a little bit like I'm an introvert, but even this is kind of like, bro, like, no, I, I wouldn't be interested in necessarily doing this. But I do understand that that is very futuristic and maybe the younger folks under us need that type of space. And that's going to be their like MySpace, Facebook when they grow up. 
as as they grow up is like a social virtual world like i could i could see like ty ty our our nephew ty like he would definitely probably think that this is something that's super cool where you can interact with your friends you have avatars you're hanging out uh he basically said you wouldn't even need a tv anymore because you would be able to any any movie tv show you could act as if there's a tv on the screen using your augmented reality so it is has some cool concepts and kinks like you mentioned that need to be worked out for me to be wanting to try something like that i think it is a very ambitious goal um i think that facebook understands or the the company facebook that's now meta understands that they need to evolve more because facebook is seeing a decrease in the younger population Instagram is kind of at that stalemate. They they need to be ahead of the game and they have the money and technology to try something like this. Um, I think if it fails, then it is what it is to them. But they know that if it actually hooks and clicks, that they're the first into that space and they have the resources to do it really, really well. So um, it's a little scary, to be honest. It's like that next step towards iRobot to me, but I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing to see how it works because it is such a convenient thing uh with the like features with remote work and things that they talked about um but i'm still like on the fence of like the weirdness aspect of it um i am with you it's very weird um i mentioned the book ready player one i won't spoil it but as you can kind of guess with any book or movie that's about putting on augmented reality glasses and going into a virtual world things went wrong and it's that that's just in the back of my head like there are so many things that can go wrong with people getting dependencies on this thing with the human interaction getting lost but even on top of that when i think about facebook although people think facebook is a social media giant well meta is a social media giant that's not their core business model the core business model of this company is not social media, it's advertising and data collection and the selling of data. And so for me, this is just another way for them to collect data and to share it to companies. And so they've had so many scandals about how much leaked data they have let out into the world that it's it's phenomenal that we are still trusting them with our data because um, I know Google and Amazon and all these other places collect this data. It's just kind of a part of the digital contract that you sign when you sign up to use the Internet, which is a great tool. Kind of what comes with that is they're going to be tracking you, where you're going and your habits and things like that, which I'm totally fine with because I think it's it's worth the trade off. But the fact that I I can't trust this company to keep that data in-house and use it to better their algorithms like chris said and it's going to all of these different places and basically anybody with an internet connection can find out what i've been doing on facebook or on the apps is kind of scary to me and i think before i can trust facebook or any company with this type of technology i would have to know for sure that what they are using this information for is very secure and also that I'm not going to have ads literally pop up in my face virtually while I'm using this platform because you can guess like this is not going to be it's going to be free, but it's not going to be ad free. It, there's going to be some type of ad support, some type of revenue stream that's coming from this. And it's probably going to be heavily, heavily monetized with ads 
everywhere and it's just another way for people to advertise so that's kind of my thought on it is that there's so many things about it that sound cool in theory but in practice i think it's going to be diluted by all of these other issues that facebook specifically has and it's also very convenient that they're in the middle of another controversy right now and just so happen to just drop this oh we're changing our name so that people aren't talking about all those other things that are happening with the company I think you hit the nail on the head about just the the revenue stream and the ads associated with it and how they're going to find ways to monetize it. Um, I also think about the um, plus sides or it could be negatives as well. When you talk about like the election uh, stuff that they, they were going through and uh, the false uh, news outlets, the lack of verification of these types of things. I think that has potential to bleed in. So Mark Zuckerberg mentioned that all these security aspects will be put in place before they even launch that type of space. But the fear of like groups of hate being able to like now meet virtually kind of secretly, they don't have to have these rallies or marches. They can now collaborate and meet in a virtual safer space for them, which is like a fear because now that hate can be spread more like at the grassroots, like secretly, whereas hate is harder now to be out in public. Like you don't see clan clan rallies as much as you used to because there's a fear of, you know, the repercussions. Now, if we give them this space where it's like augmented, you can essentially do that. Now, I feel like these odd, quirky things that shouldn't necessarily be happening could now be on the uptick because they aren't regulated through having to have a permit to have a meeting. They don't have to have all these things. They could just set up an event on Meta and people show up for it. They kind of talk about whatever they want to talk about. They can have a guest speaker. They can do whatever they want. Um, So it has potential for great tools, um, but it's also a fear that uh, it gives another avenue for groups of hate and things like that. So it's just so many different layers that you can look at it. Um, and I don't want to make it seem like it's all bad. Like there, I'm sure there's great use cases for it. Um, but it's just, it's, it's hard to get through my head right now. I would say trust, yes, but I still wouldn't necessarily want it. Um, I think that the trust is a key word of like the security of your data with Apple has always been at the forefront of what they do. And not that Facebook has it, but they've just had a tougher time to control that. Um, So I would say trust, yes, but I still don't want it. Like, I don't care who's making it, to be honest. I definitely agree with you, Chris, whenever you it probably looks cool to a younger generation. I definitely think that they're looking towards the future and like the children now that um, are used to being on tablets the entire day are going to be moving into high school and getting older in college. I definitely think it's going to be more refined by then to where it, it can definitely spread a lot faster. Um, I mean, I was also wondering too, just like, are people going to get banned? Like how, like do it and what's allowed in the metaverse? Exactly. It's kind of like Brad, it's kind of like 
PlayStation. Like in our parties, like we could say whatever we want. You know what I mean? Like what can you really do? And I feel like this is a little bit to the extreme because you can physically, physically meet and do things together and have these like ideas and conversations with people everywhere. And so that's what I'm saying. Like if you've ever played Call of Duty in the public lobby, the things you're hearing is behind a screen. So like, like I said, when people are meeting out in publicly or marching and protesting, there's a certain level of decency you have to have, or you're going to either be jumped, beat up or arrested because it's illegal. Now these things can't really be regulated. They're not going to have like an observer in every single person's like world or room. Um, so like, it, it's just one of those things like you could, re- I'm sure there's a reporting system, but like you mentioned, like the amount of fake, uh, friend requests I get from like women and stuff every single week, like that stuff will carry over to metal. Like, Hey, you want to meet in my room, my metal world? Like, no, like that type of stuff is going to exist. So like, how are they going to combat those types of things? It's just going to be an ongoing issue. It's very true. Exactly. Unless they make you, uh, yeah. Unless they make you attach your social security number, which you <laughs> no people wouldn't do. Okay. All right, we so can move let, on. You, you, oh, go ahead, Kevin. Uh, so let's move on to um, what happened at Astro World. So first off, let's take a time to give our condolences to the at least eight people who lost their lives. Uh, during this tragic event. And so uh, let's just kind of talk about what happened, um, what we're hearing about it, and just kind of your general experiences and thoughts about Astroworld. So, Rad, do you just kind of want to take the uh, take the start on this one? Yeah. Um, so when I was first reading about this and just kind of seeing videos come to light, um, I mean, from personal experience, I've been to a concert. I don't know if I should say the artist's name but they're a a rager um well i'll just say i don't really care uh it was a tyler the creator concert (laughs) and when he was coming up and um or he was him and asap rocky we had gone for asap rocky we didn't really know how tyler and so we were almost front row and i remember as soon as tyler came out it was like a wave that just pushed forward and you couldn't do anything about it. And I keenly and distinctly remember be, not even being on my feet, but moving forward. Like my feet weren't touching the ground. Um, Marina's weren't either. I was holding her by her arm. Um, Lewis, our friend, was behind us. Uh, Will, Vince, and we were. I was terrified. I'd never been a part of anything like that. We actually walked out uh, all the way to the back and left. Um, and I remember my fear in at that time, and I can only imagine Astro World, and just I don't know some of the stories I've read where people just said they were they fell down and there were just layers of people under them that they weren't even touching. Um, that's like my worst fear at a concert, and just I mean for eight people to have lost their lives to that so many more have gone to the hospital it's uh i don't even know i can't i can't 
understand what Travis Scott must be going through and how he's taking the massive amounts of hate he's receiving. Um, I don't know how far it is that it's fault. I mean, he could have just thought they were people were passing out, which is common at rager like rager concerts. So yeah. I don't know. It, there's a lot to uh, to kind of think about and just kind of digest through this situation. I think it's gonna the way his concerts and moshes are kind of handled, but and to, definitely security and uh, just EMTs available. So we'll see. I yeah, um, so I want to actually pause and play a video on top of this. It's super short. I might just put a segment of it. But essentially what it is, is from what I understand, people before the concert started, and it's just a small glimpse of what types of things were happening. So people were like breaking through the fence. So I'll play that now and then we'll we'll cut back. So I, w I wanted to play that because I think that there's just there's so many layers to what is happening. And so there's like so many that I don't even think we could touch on them. So I played that video because it's just like, why are people acting this way? So we ha there needs to be a normalization of just being a normal person. And like, it's not that serious for you to get one step closer to the stage. So I don't know if that's you know, eliminating as much general admission things that people are doing at concerts. It kind of ruins the fest festival part or aspect of it. Um, but I, I really just think people need to put a perspective on like, it's really not that serious. Like you're going to see the concert. Just, it's not that serious. Um, I think the second layer you, you talked about it, Brad, is like the hate that Travis Scott is getting. Like he put out a video where he's like, you know, people are saying he's trying to cry. Like he's trying to make himself cry. Like stop. Like he, Imagine you were him like you would never want someone to die at your concert like the way that he comes out and apologizes or says that's his way of grieving as well like there's no way that he doesn't feel bad about that happening like it's not it's not the case like it's a shock to him I'm sure there's so many layers that he's going through of like man, this looks really bad. I didn't want it to go this far. Like it's affecting my brand, my image, all these families that have to deal with these things. Like there's so many things that he has to deal with. So I don't think that it's fair for us to say, oh, he's trying to squint a tear out and things like that. Um, so yeah, like I personally am not in that scene. Like I have never been attracted to the music festival thing or the mosh pit thing. Um, I do think it goes back to, and Caleb, you might agree with this. Michael Jackson was like the guy that, he would just stand there and people would like faint and pass out. And it was like, if you are able to do that to a crowd, a people were like, oh, I want to be that level of star that people are passing out and they have to get taken away because I'm that great of an artist. So I think that 
that's kind of become like a norm. It's like, yeah, look at me. Like this crowd is going insane. People are passing out. Like people are trying to come to the front and see me, but it's like, no, we need to like realize the severity of those types of situations and like find some type of way to make it safer. Um, because it's not, it's not even safe from a like evacuation standpoint, because like, what if something happens, there's a fire explosion, there's gun, gunshots, anything like that. Like it's not a safe environment in the first place because it's such an unregulated thing. We just put a couple boundaries around the edges and say, oh, you have a max of 250,000. It's like, what, like, how does that even make sense? So um, I, I feel really bad about it. Like we say, condolences to those eight people and the many more that are still suffering through it, the families. It's it's unbelievable, to be honest. Um, but I don't think that we can blame Travis. Yes, he could have done things differently. They could have had different things in place, but to put it all on him is not fair. Um, there's children that were young, 14 years old, I think is the youngest. So like they don't understand it either. So we can't really put a blame on one set of people. We just have to look on how can we make sure that nothing like this ever happens again. Because uh, it's one thing if someone has a medical emergency and they, you know, something tragically happens at a concert, but for it to be at this scale means that something was not accounted for at a large scale, and that's unacceptable. So I'll get off my high horse. That we, like yeah. I said, so many layers. It uh, it's very it's very deep and layered. Um, and like you said, it's it's kind of systemic. Um, what I will say is that I currently work on a college campus, um, and a from what I know, a lot of these people who were attending the concert were in the demographic of about 15, 14, 15 to about 20, 21. And from what I've experienced just in the few months that we've been back on campus is that parties and get togethers and gatherings have been exponentially worse on campus post COVID. And I think it's because people are just missing that interaction with people for the first part and second part have kind of forgotten where the line is and so i think in a situation where like this where you have a hundred thousand plus people in this one place of a younger demographic who are just kind of worried about one thing and that's having as good of a time as possible it becomes pretty difficult to regulate something like this when they're just all worried about i'm here to have a good time i haven't been out to something like this in a year, two years, whatever. And so they all start doing this. And I mean, it's kind of a part of the culture of this Travis Scott community to do this in the first place. And so it's very difficult to understand where that line is drawn. And I think now that something like this has happened, unfortunately, this had to happen for people to realize like, this is a real problem. We can't just push people to the front. Um, But also I think that there is a bit of a um, indictment on the organizers of this event because they should have at least told people or like they should be informing people like, hey, don't try to push to the front. Don't do this. Don't do that. And I understand you want to make it a um, hype environment. You want people to be excited and you want people to have that liberty and that freedom in this festival type environment. But like Chris said, there are artists who throw ragers that are even bigger than Travis Scott's who will get on the stage before they even start performing, before they even play a lick of music and say, these are the rules of this thing. If you see somebody that, that goes down, pick them up. If 
your people start trying to push to the front, like tell them to stop doing that because you understand that people can get hurt. And when people start pushing up against you, that body pressure and that crowd crush, which is what they call it, is a real thing. And it can get people seriously injured. And so I think it's just on all fronts, bad timing, it's bad um, organizing, bad communication. And I think now that this conversation has started, it's kind of time to rethink what these big festival-like events are going to look like in the near future. Yeah, and so go ahead, Brad. I don't want to cut you off. Oh, no, you're good. I was just going to say, Caleb, you hit it on the head with just communication. Um, I saw this one video where they were trying to tell hey, people are getting injured and um, and she said dying, but um, people pits, but he was literally just telling her to get off of his platform um, and continued recording. There should be some kind of rule or... Just something set be, up to where yeah. there's got to be yeah, some something, type of box or yeah. some yeah there's got to be some alert system yeah exactly you can't just tell someone no like get off I like coming out I gotta get this on camera yeah. like yeah. walkie talkie there should be something with some sort of line of a community yeah and so we we kind of put pose the question of like how can these things be alleviated in the future so i think there's a couple of different ways you can like look at it i think the general admission thing is one of like buy a ticket and go anywhere you want um i think there has to be some type of pod setting where like you are have access to this area um and i think another thing that they could look at is entering from the side so it's kind of hard for for me to explain this but a lot of times you go to a concert you are entering from the back and you just kind of rush forward if there is an entrance from the sides um and you're only allowed in like section one and there's a huge unmovable divider or whatever the case and they are able to more regulate the amount of bodies in each pod i think that's where you alleviate those issues because if you say oh a hundred thousand people in this space will fit yes they will but if everyone's trying to get to the top third of it then no it doesn't make any sense so if you can divide those into pods um and say okay you you bought a ticket for the front area you know you are allowed to be there there's plenty of space to move around yes you still have issues with people trying to get to the very front but it's much more isolated and that way you can kind of send help to certain areas because the access is easier so if something does go wrong the ambulance or whatever is doesn't have to try to go through all these hundreds, hundred thousand people to get to the front of the stage. Uh, like they, uh, there has to be ways that we have to like think of things in a safer, safer way. Um, there's also on college campuses. I'm sure they have it there. I believe Caleb is these blue boxes where yeah. there's a light at the top, you press it and they know exactly where you're at. Um, I don't know how you could do that in a concert where, so it's not abused or people think it's a joke or if it's not accidentally hit or something, but there's gotta be some type of station set up within the crowd of like, this is like your point of contact to get help to people that might be dehydrated, passing out, having seizures, those types of things, like we to get immediate help as soon as they are needed. Um, and it's gonna cost the performers more, the people that are putting on that, but it's like the price you gotta pay. Uh, if you're breaking in all this money, you gotta be able to put those safeties in place because then parents are not gonna let their kids go to these things if this type of stuff is happening. 
How was how was the stage set up? Was it just one stage in the front? Yeah, I mean they had multiple stages from what I understand in the park, but this was the main headlining stage. So it was just kind of like a standard stage that flared um outward. So like kind of funneled the stages at the front and it kind of flares out. But obviously everyone's trying to push and get towards the front. Um there were a few um like um how do I explain that? Where you walk out into the crowd a little bit on the mini, like the parts of the stage. I think there were parts that were like that because I saw Travis was kind of up a little bit more, but it's just like, I don't think the stage design had a huge factor in it. I think it's just the crowd control of like the general admission of a hundred thousand people. Like imagine if they had general admission at a Lakers finals game. Like you would try to get courtside, wouldn't you? So everyone's trying to get courtside and imagine there being a, ba- a boundary at the front. Like at some point, the people that are at the front are going to be like, I, we can't move any closer. So it's just going to be chaos. And so that's why there needs to be some type of sectioning off um, some, something like that. Uh, or maybe a reduction in capacity. I don't know what the exact answer is, but if everyone's trying to compress to a certain area, it's always going to end. It doesn't matter how much you shrink the size of it, if people are always going to be trying to push to the front. And I think it's just an awareness thing also. Like people need to be aware that this is a issue and that you can't push your way to the front no matter how hard you try because you're just hurting other people. And now that this on a massive scale has been all over social media, it's been all all over the news outlets, when something like this happens in the future, hopefully people know and are aware of the fact that this is an issue and that they will be more respectful of the fact that, okay, I'm in the back, I got here late. I'm not just going to force myself up to the front because it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a shame too, because I mean, the, the, the last, um, I mean, people were breaking down the barriers, rushing in and they did the same. I mean, it wasn't to this extent, but it was, it was drastic enough to be like, Oh my, like that's serious. Um, like nobody, no other festival really hear that. But um, I mean, and nothing was or seemed to be done to uh, kind of help that situation out. And I mean, look at what happens, you know, prepare enough for that crowd. Yeah, I yeah mean, and it's, I, go ahead, Caleb, sorry. I, and I guess we'll see if this is something that happens again, does Travis Scott and his team actually care about the fans um, and will they make adjustments in the future? Because People can say, oh, he doesn't care at this point. They can say all that they want. They can they can have conspiracies and all of these different things. But at the end of the day, it's about action. And what do you do next time to alleviate what happened? And so I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see how they address future festivals and future concerts to, to adjust to the situation. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so we can move on to our main topic for today. Uh, it's about conflict for, conflict resolution. So I think this is more than just in our relationships with our significant others, but with our friends as well, uh, or just any relationship in general. And so um, I think a lot of times when there are disagreements or people don't have the same points of view on some things, uh, it's like kind of human nature to feel like you're always right in the situation. And the other person obviously feels the same way. But I think a lot of times there is a middle ground where not neither person is right or wrong. It's just the way that you have a perspective on a certain uh, issue. And so I guess my question is like, what are the steps that you all take 
person in your personal lives to ensure that you are seeing the other person's point of view. Um, and like, what is that balance of like, okay, I'm, this is the hill I'm going to die on. This is the issue that I feel like I need to state, uh, that I feel like I'm right on. And uh, what are those things that you have to take a step back and kind of evaluate the situation? Um, and then the second part of the question is like, how do you personally overcome moments of anger where you're really passionate about something? There might be a disagreement that you're having with someone. How do you calm yourself down and come to, you know, a better, um, state of mind? And so I think for me, uh, a lot of times I feel like there's like some tension between potential friends or people that I interact with that I don't necessarily know what happened or why that is happening. And so I don't think that I get like angry about it because I'm not like pouting, complaining, uh, confronting people about it. But I do think there are times where I almost need to have a conversation with a friend or a coworker or some, something, any person that I have a relationship with and just kind of understand why it is that certain things are happening or certain things are not happening. Um, and then with my significant other, um, it's just kind of like the way that things are is like, there's going to be days that you want to do something and they don't want to do it or vice versa, or you want to eat something and they don't want to eat it. And it just causes some just unnecessary, like, things um i think a common theme for me is like me saying that's not what you said or like that's not true or things like that and so it's like the balance of me saying okay let me just shut up because it doesn't even matter and like no like i need you to understand that that's not what you said or that's not what we agreed to or etc 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 um so in my moments of anger i always try to step back and not give that immediate reaction I actually spoke about this in like our first or second podcast ever back in 2020 about like refereeing and how I take a step back, evaluate the situation. Um, so I still kind of live with those. It's like, I, I'm not going to give you an immediate reaction because it's always going to be the one that's out of anger or frustration, et cetera. Um, but also I've been told that I am a know-it-all. And so like, I have to understand that if, people think that maybe I need to look in the mirror and say, okay, like, am I really, do I really need to react at all? Do I need to tell them like, I'm sorry, I understand what you could have been offended by, et cetera. So I think there's just so many different ways and like, there's no like one size fits all to like conflict resolution. Uh, communication can always help. But it also I found can hurt sometimes as well, because then you just kind of dig a deeper hole unknowingly. Um, so I found that like silence, taking the time and then clearly communicating how you feel has been the best solution for me and kind of being able to talk through those things and say like, hey, this is serious. Like we need to talk and have a conversation. No ill will, anything like that. Just having a conversation. I, I can I can agree with that, um, especially the fact that you said sometimes you have to take a step back and, and kind of understand why you're responding in the way that you're responding um, and not giving that immediate res reaction, I should say, because there's a difference between reacting and responding. Um, and I think that we have to get to a place where we're not reacting to things in a negative light or in in, in a way that's going to hurt a relationship we have to take the time to understand what's being said what the actual issue is and respond to it uh, rather than react and and do things or say things that 
we may regret. Um, for me personally, I'm not the type of person that gets angry. I don't think I can remember the last time I, I just was angry at someone or something to the, to the extent where I was just ready to do something irrational. Um, I do get upset and I do have, you know, I'm a human, so I do have feelings, but I, I think part of my issue is that sometimes I am too honest about things, um, when I should kind of understand that for me it's harmless but if i say it to you um in all with with no ill intention but being honest about it it may hurt your feelings and so i think that's that's kind of my issue is in conflict resolution if if i say something that may have offended you or may have hurt your feelings um and you express that to me i should not try to defend myself because you have valid emotions and you have valid feelings and for me to try to invalidate those and to say no that's not what i meant that's not what i said um isn't the most productive way to do that so i think for me conflict resolution and the steps that i have to take is to one listen and understand what the other person is saying and why there is conflict um and then think is my second thing like don't just respond after listening don't just listen to respond um and then thirdly come up with a rational response rather than a uh, a reaction because like i said if if you just react to something without listening and without thinking about it then that's where that miscommunication comes and that's where you get deeper down the rabbit hole and so like for me personally, it's listen to why they may have an issue with what you said or may have an issue with what you did um, and understand that, understand what they mean by that rather than what they're saying, because there are things that people say that are more than just surface level. And then once you've gotten to the process of coming to this understanding of their point of view, then if they're willing to listen to your point of view, you can give your explanation of yourself but sometimes that's not the best the best thing either um and try to come to a common understanding you don't have to be right nobody has to be wrong but you can come to this place of a common understanding and a common ground of okay this was this what this is what was said this is what i'm feeling um and this is how we're going to move forward so and, and i think also that's something where like chris said i can often be told i'm a know-it-all and so I think that part of that is because in the past, I felt like somebody has to win it, somebody has to lose. And it's it's not always like that because if somebody's trying to win, you're both losers. Um, I, I think we have to get to a place where you understand the other person's perspective and come to a common understanding. Yeah, I, um, I definitely agree with points from both of y'all, but when Caleb, you said that number one is listening, um, exactly what I was going to kind of bring up. Um, yeah. Anytime I'm in a situation where I'm having to deal with conflict resolution, whether it's through, uh, business, personal, um, anything, I always take a step. Um, I could, I could be better at it, but, I, um, when I'm successful at conflict resolution, it's always just taking a step back, listening to what the other person feels and what their issue is. Cause I know what it takes for me to bring up issues and things that I may have a problem with. So if somebody else feels that, 
passionately about something, of course, I want to listen. Uh, I'm not out to get any. And so, um, I mean, that that is the main thing, just taking a step back um, and then thinking of how you can respond in a way that's going to positively, I guess, just help the situation, something that's going to be productive towards the main goal of whatever's at hand. Because um, like y'all were saying, there's no point in just saying immediately what's on your mind and having that reactionary um, um just effect and that's not going to get you anywhere nine times out of ten so being able to take a step back think about all right here let's go here and you may not even be right and um like y'all were saying nobody it, it not everybody's gonna win every time and so you it's mainly about just what can y'all do to get to a certain goal where do y'all go from here you're gonna run into hiccups you're gonna run into hiccups and you're uh a relationship with your spouse and running the hiccups with um in business parents it doesn't matter um but taking a step back and really listening to what people have to say is gonna ultimately be able to help you out in the long run i know it, it's definitely helped me out in my relationship with uh, marina my relationship with my parents um friends it's not always about you and that's the main thing and um some people won't understand that you'll get into conflict situations where people are just selfish and there is literally no way of convincing them or showing them a different way. And that's fine. Um, they'll all go through life and learn that the hard way, but the people actually sit down and have a conversation with and ultimately come out of it more productive and on the same page that um, so just listening, thinking, and how to communicate effectively, that, that would be mine. And, and one thing I will say is that there is a difference between a debate, a discussion, and a dialogue. And in conflict resolution, the goal is to move away from debating and getting to a place where you're having a dialogue with someone. And so the way that you kind of move away from debate is when, when you're saying listening, you don't just want to listen for an argument, you want to be an active listener, acknowledge what they're saying and truly understand what they're saying and why they're saying it. Um, you want to ask clarifying questions. Don't just ask questions that are targeted towards that person or questions that try to prove your point. Ask questions because you're gen genuinely curious about what they're saying. Um, and what you also have to understand is that what's said in that environment should stay in that environment but what's learned in that environment should leave there. So you don't have to go and tell everyone about the conflict that you had, about your process of going through conflict resolution, but what that person said to you and what they confined in you about their issue with someone else, their issue with you, um, it should make a genuine impact on you and you should take something from that conversation rather than just being mad from it because the absolute worst thing that you can do in conflict resolution is to get upset um, and that's the hardest thing not to do is because sometimes it's not personal it's it's not always targeted at you and we as humans especially as men can feel like if you're saying something I did something wrong you're saying that I'm a bad person but it's not necessarily that it's just I see ways in which you can improve and I think we should take that constructive criticism and have those dialogues um, 
in a more active manner so that we can be better as men and as as young adults yeah so i've actually been taking a few notes so uh caleb you you hit it right on the head it's like being able to say the other person is right like you're right in this situation because that also like helps you in the long term because they understand that if you feel like you were wrong in the situation you're not afraid to admit that so i think it makes your points of view a little bit more um honest and accurate from their perspective because they're like oh they've told me that i'm right before so it's not like they wouldn't ever do that again um so i also wanted to mention that i wish we had kavan or cam uh someone with children on here because i think that's a completely set separate set of things to deal with um but maybe we can talk about that in a future episode when we're able to get them uh another thing i have is uh, the eliminating the use of always and never so i think a lot of times in conversations or disagreements, we say, you always do this, you always do this, you always do this, or you never do this, you never do this, you never do this. I'll give an example, and I don't want to throw my uh, girlfriend under the, the, um, the uh, under, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but there's under like, the bus. yeah, under the bus, under the bus, I don't know. Um, she was saying like, you never take out the trash. I was like, how is that even possible if I, if you never take out the trash, like since I've been here, she has not ever taken out the trash, but I never take out the trash. Then where does the trash go? So it's like, like simple stuff like that. Like it wears on people when you say they never do something when they clearly have done something or you, they always do something when that's clearly not the case. So eliminating that to like understand the, the power in your words and how that could affect someone. Um, so Brad, you also mentioned this. And I want to kind of piggyback on it a little bit. It's like the common goal that you talked about. Like a lot of times with my significant others, like I'm not trying to see you fail. Like I'm not trying to put you down or anything like that. I want us to both level up. And so I both I want both of us to win in every situation. So any feedback or anything that I'm saying to you is not to like down you or boost up my own ego, but it's just to say like, I think we can improve on these things or you can improve on these things to make uh, you better. That makes us better as a whole. And so I think that common goal of like wanting everyone to win. So it's with my friends as well. Like if there's a something that I'll say, that's a little bit, um, I think there's times in the past, not really in recent, but Brad, you might know, like, I feel like there's times in our group where, um, like someone gets fed up. Like if we're playing the game and someone's mad and they're just like, you know what? I'm like, I'm done with this. Y'all are good. And then we like, we used to be like, Oh, this they're soft. Like forget that. But it's like, no, like we're challenging the person that said that, or the people that are doing that to be better. To, like you shouldn't make someone feel like stress or anything like that. So I think we've done a lot better job of like calling it out or like speaking up about it and not doing it as a group. But I think like when we were like in college before that, we would be like somewhat toxic to each other and make it not an enjoyable experience. Like Caleb, if Caleb comes and plays the game and then Caleb's not the greatest player because he doesn't play games like we do. So if we're complaining about Caleb not doing something in Fortnite, like and Caleb feels some type of way, like we should be able to say like, hey, Caleb doesn't play the game. Like relax, it's not that serious. So I think there were times in the past where we, kind of didn't really know what to do as a group how to address those types of things but now we're in a place that's like that's not acceptable and it's not something that we let just slide anymore um and last thing i'll say is knowing when to walk away from a situation that could be conflict this could be with a complete stranger 
So actually there was, <laughs> I was at a beauty store, like a hair store. I had to get some grease and stuff because I'm about to cut my hair actually after this. But that we were wearing, me and my girlfriend were wearing our, our new hoodies that we got that say black women matter. And so like she goes this one way, I kind of go another way. They don't really see me. But it, as my girlfriend walks away, like the lady that's working there, or someone, a group of people was like, all women matter, all lives matter. So I don't know why that it's necessary. And so I'm like, okay, I could address this situation and explain to you how black women are, have been the outcasts in the history of time. For example, when people used to say, oh, the slave owners used to have sex with the women, the slaves. No, they were not having sex. They were raping them. And then for years after that, once the men, the black men finally got a little bit of a standing, where were the black women? They were also in the background. So we're saying they matter because in the past they have not been seen as someone that mattered by the people that were in peace, places of power. Complete tangent, but that's something that I would want to say to that person. But knowing when to walk away, like, you know, it's not that serious. I'm not going to die on that hill. When I'm having a conversation with my girlfriend, sometimes you just need your own space. Uh, the other day I just came in the room and I just like did some yoga. Like I just laid here. It's not that serious. We're not in a bad place. Sometimes we just need our own space to kind of just breathe and relax and know when to be separate from that situation. And if it's a complete stranger, it could be family members that you kind of like constantly butting heads. And there's something that they were really, really, really stuck on that you really can't agree with or accept. It's OK for you to say, you know what, I just don't agree with that. I'm just going to do my own thing and never being afraid to you know, settle for a, a situation that makes you feel uncomfortable. Um, yeah, I, I was gonna I, say. I, to, oh, go ahead, Caleb. Go ahead. All right, I'll go real quick. Um, one thing I was gonna add on to it too is it, you. You gotta. The important part about listening is there's so many different types of personality, and how people approach different conversations. So, I mean, you could have someone direct and upfront, and then you could also have somebody that puts a little fluff on it and sugarcoats things, having a conversation. And I mean. It just depends. You could have two people that are very direct talking to one another, and then that conversation could be a disaster if they aren't listening to each other um, and trying to work with each other. So that's an important aspect of it, too, is just understanding there's so many different types of personalities and um, having and just learning to adapt to those different types of conversations. Um, um, one thing I, I like that you said um, is about the always and never statements. Um, but I also kind of want to expand upon that. I personally think that we should try to get to a point in conflict resolution and in having conversations with people where we call in versus call out. So you we should always be using I and me statements rather than you and your statements because it makes someone feel like they're attacked, like you're attacking them. But if you say, I feel that this is what's going on, it kind of puts the puts it doesn't put them as the 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 subject of the the conflict, basically. And so I, I really like that, just kind of not using those always and nevers, but like you always and you never, but instead saying like i feel like the trash could be taken out more and and i i think that that's kind of a, a better way of approaching that and i think that that's a very valid point 
I just want to say, for the record, the trash always gets taken out. I was so <laughs> upset. Gosh, like, it, I want it to be maximum, you know, sometimes it could be a little smelly or whatever. No, if, if it's halfway full, like, why would I take it out? You know what I mean? Anyways, Brad, you look like you're going to say something. I was just laughing. I was trying to see what other kind of trouble you're about to get into. <laughs> no, I, that's the only thing I'll, I'll pick out of her about is is the trash that gets taken out because it clearly gets taken out. Um, so, yeah, we can go to our outro, our one guy to go. Um, I can introduce it, Caleb. Um, so we just make the case for why. Super simple this week. It's just types of food. Um, we might have done this in the past, but we can, you know, we got a new group of people. It's been time. Um, so the types of food that we have here are soul food, seafood, barbecue, and Mexican cuisine. Um, and we'll eliminate, or we'll talk, say the first one that absolutely has to stay. And I'll start with you, Brad. Uh, yeah. So first off, whoever picked these picked four very hard ones exactly, to choose from. Exactly. To get one out. Uh, but I mean, there is one that will for sure staying at the top for me and that is seafood um i literally could survive off of seafood and yeah so to me none of these other three will match it but i don't know which one i'm gonna knock out so let's hear from uh hear from y'all soul food for me has to stay um there's just nothing in my opinion when it's right that can match it there's so much variety there um and and i feel like soul food just it, it's it's beating all of these in my opinion i feel like chris that's gonna be his that's gotta go i was like chris doesn't look convinced no 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 it's not that's not it um this is very difficult very very difficult um barbecue for me has to stay it's just something about you know the well the well manicured with the, you know the perfect ratio of fat to meat and a brisket the pulled pork, the sausage, you got the rib, like so many different things that go with a barbecue. And if it's done correctly, you just can't. There's something that it's, it's just something that's completely different. Um, so I would say that's got to stay. Um, my second to stay. Um, ah, it's got to be soul food. Um, because it's very versatile in terms of the like amount of different dishes. Like you could consider a lot of things, soul food that could be bleed into other areas like spaghetti um, could be got to put some soul into it. Yeah, exactly. And so th there obviously you wouldn't have seafood. If, if you got rid of seafood, you wouldn't have the seafood portion of it, like the catfish and all that. Um, but I would say overall, like that's something that I just, it's hard for me. Like I don't eat it a ton because it's not healthy, but when I do eat, it's like, Oh my gosh, this is like the greatest thing ever. So that would be my second. My second to stay would probably be Mexican. Um, just something about it. Just, you can't eat it all the time. Like Chris said, same thing with soul food. You can't eat it all the time, but when it's, when you eat it, it's like, you know, you're going to have a good experience and it's going to make you happy. <laughs> and I and I think that's just kind of that's it's just nothing like it for me. It's irreplaceable and I think that it it's just hard to beat especially when you think about like 
what are you going to make a quick meal make some tacos or like I, I don't know it's just it's just one of those things where it's you just can't especially being from south texas you can't you can't get rid of that mexican food caleb i'm so glad you said that because i couldn't agree more um <laughs> dude mexican food yeah it especially now moving up to austin like i know austin's got its places and stuff but south texas like corpus christi mexican food from a taqueria mm. uh, there's there's nothing like it. anytime we go down we go to one that that's the one place that we can guarantee we're gonna go get some food from um so yeah mexican food is my number two all right so we're gonna we're gonna go off of what i grew up eating and what my favorites are in this list so there's there's no way i could i could ever give a barbecue like and that's no like diss to soul food like i who doesn't love soul food but when I look at seafood and then Mexican food and then barbecue, like, I mean, that's kind of my li my lineup right there for favorite <laughs> foods almost. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I would barbecue would be my three. Soul food would be my very, very, very close fourth. So for me, and I'm going to get bashed being from South Texas saying this from Corpus Christi, the Bay. I'm not much of a seafood eater. It has grown on me more, um, especially if you get the right dishes. And like I, I found that it's more healthy than everything on this list. So I am starting to eat seafood more and more. And I do like it very much. But I couldn't choose seafood over soul food, Mexican and barbecue for me personally. Um, and like you said, it's very close. Like none of these are nasty. It's just in my like if i'm going to go out to a restaurant and i'm like i want the best food that i can possibly get i'm probably going to choose barbecue over seafood me personally okay um i disagree i actually okay. think that my gotta go is actually mexican um see mm. so I, okay this is my reasoning top tier seafood because seafood in Mexico is my last two left. Top tier seafood is like literally kissed from heaven. Mad seafood boil, a seafood boil, Caleb, with the shrimp and the sausage and the and the corn and the crab. Like it's just unbelievably it's good. good. It's, yeah, it's it's very good. And so with Mexican, it's consistent, but I don't think that like apart from tamales because they're amazing like the it's pretty like consistently like good but i wouldn't say like i've tasted mexican and be like oh my gosh this is like addicting like a seafood boil is to me and the ease of cooking it at home for me seafood is much easier to you know put the shrimps the salmons tilapia like to put that together yourself it's quicker to cook uh, Mexican takes a lot uh, is a labor of love and so no disrespect to Mexican food but in terms of like my day-to-day -day diet if I'm cooking a lot of food and like going out like Mexican is not my top choice and nor is seafood to be honest like I think it's a clear distinction between barbecue and and soul food for me and the b bottom two but 
in terms of like my overall, like I just cooked salmon literally before we started this. And so I wouldn't be cooking like enchilada. Like I know how to cook, cook those things, but it's not something that I like crave from a day to day basis. My girlfriend would bash me though. She would probably pick that first. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd agree. I mean, uh, actually, I don't I agree with your statement about the seafood, like top tier seafood. That obviously that's that's why it's my number one. But like at least for me with Mexican food, like Marina and I, we make Mexican food all the time. Like we yeah. make tostadas and chiladas. So it's like I don't make a ton of soul food just because it is so bad. Like I try not yeah. to make too much Mexican food either. Brad, go to go to Lolo's chicken and waffles if you haven't been there. And I think the closest one to you would probably be for Dallas area. Um, there might be some in there might be some in Houston or Austin. I don't know, but the combination of chicken and waffles would surprise you at that restaurant. Yes. Uh, so I think um, that might elevate you a little bit, but I, it's well, a very difficult thing. So can we make the argument that barbecue's got to go? Because if you think about barbecue, what what are you getting at, at a typical barbecue? Uh, okay, so let's clarify before we start to say this. Anything that comes off a grill considered barbecue? No, because because you can you can make a non barbecued burger. You can make a non barbecued. I, dis- I disagree hot dog. with you though. Then I disagree. Okay, I, you- and I prefer pan burgers. That's barbecue burger. No, I'm sorry, man. So okay, look, what a, is a good smash burger? I, I see what you're saying, but like if if you, even if you're cooking at home and it's a steak or hot dogs or a burger, if it's on the grill and you're cooking it smoky, that's a barbecue, right? I I thought we were talking like a pit, like yeah, like that's a home pit, gas, ch- charcoal, no, pellet. So so you're saying I. You're saying I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't cook some hot dogs in a skillet. That's and that's not hot dog. Or, or that's or a, that's a burger. But or a burger a, in a pan. Distinct, I can't, I can't, I can't put you can, some, some short this, ribs in the oven. But short ribs on the short ribs on the grill are going to be 18 times better. Yes, than, you're you're right. But I'm saying barbecue. It's good. It's very good. But I'm. It, it can be, it can be I, supplemented. I think you could have talked things. me off of soul food before you talked me off of barbecue, because soul food is so unhealthy, and there are elements of other. You can still have like green beans that are not soul food. I so I, I think that would have been the easier argument, but like anything you barbecue you can make it like you can make ribs in the oven you can yeah. cook a steak on a cast iron like you can that's, do it that's, inside that's what I'm saying. but like it's just a different flavor though like right. it's the you're flavor right. you're right yeah this is very tough very tough it's tough yeah i don't know who picked these it four was, like it was me i wanted it to be tough because last week when we did mulan i kind of felt bad because like mulan was the clear bottom but those were the only like live action so Maybe I could have just kept it with three. But yeah, that's all. That's everything we got. So, okay, if you want to wrap us up. 
All right. This has been the guys podcast. Get at us and tell us how we did. Um, you can always email us at the guys podcast at AOL.com. Um, this has been Caleb. We got Chris. We got Brad We're signing off for now and uh, see y'all later. Peace. Sit back, turn it up and let it ride. Tune in any day or any night. You need to hit the like and please subscribe. Right now, cause you're hanging with